2020. 2020. We're at the beginning of 2020. Oh, it's so fresh. It's so good. I really love saying it. Oh, 2020. We're in 2020. It's the future. And you go, Happy New Year. It's 2020. 2020. New year, new decade. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited um, about, the, about the year ahead. I'm excited about being here this morning. I feel like, um, oh, the Lord has, has um, got some good stuff for us. Um, and today I, I want to share some things that um, I think is, is really, uh, will lay such a great foundation for, uh, for us as uh, individuals and families and for us as a church. Uh, like at the beginning of the year, often we'll um, be thinking about what, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for for 2020? What are you hoping for? Like in a, in a year's time, 2021, doesn't quite sound as good, but 2021, in looking back on the year, what are you hoping that has happened? I've been reflecting on this kind of stuff, and, uh, and oh, there's a few things sort of bubbling away, but one of the big things is, man, I want to do something good. I want to do something good, meaningful. Eternally good. I want to. Um, I don't know how, but I want to make a difference in the world. I've still got that pipe dream. Um, like Jesus did two thousand years ago, he turns up. Uh, he's only he's only walking around on the on the planet Earth for what thirty three years or something, and he made this massive difference. Even people who who uh, don't believe that Jesus is God will, will tend to say that he was a good person. He was a good man. And I'm going, well, how can I be good? How can I be good like Jesus? I want to be better, make a difference. How can I be good like Jesus? How can we be good like Jesus? And I'm not saying how can we, how can we be just as good as Jesus. I'm not saying how can we be equal with Jesus. But sort of setting ourselves on this, on this trajectory, which is a word I really like, this trajectory or this pathway to become, to become like him. Uh, the other day we had a I had an old friend around around for dinner. He's not here today. A really old friend. A, I can say that he's not here. Anyway, a really old friend. So he uh, back when I was a teenager, um, we I had some friends that were that were older than me and they were in their twenties and I thought these guys were like the coolest of the cool. Um, they were Christians too, so that was that was that was helpful. I thought, man, if they can be cool and be a Christian, then um, then maybe I can be as well. You know, like, um, maybe I can be cool. That is, um, <clears throat> and so I'd try to, I'd, um, I'd spend as much time with them as I could, just because they were cool. Actually, they introduced me to the, um, to the dark drug of coffee. I remember it was quite funny. They had a um, an espresso machine in their flat, and. Um, and they made me an espresso, and it was disgusting. It was the most horrible thing I'd ever tasted. But these guys were drinking it. And I thought, if I'm going to be cool like them, I've got to drink this. And so I <laughs> had some um, bickies. I think they were probably super wines. And like I'd have a sip of coffee in there, <laughs> a whole bicky to try to get it down. <laughs> that was my gateway, gateway into and gateway drug. So we'd, we'd hang out, and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be like, these, um, be like him, and I wanted to be like my friends. And... And we'd, we'd hang out, and I probably began to imitate them in the way that I'd um, do things, and and uh, imitate them in um, in the way they spoke and dressed. And and this this group of friends it's had its own had its own culture, 
you know how when you get you get a group of people together, a family um, or a couple, or um, basically more than one person, then if you spend a lot of time together, you start developing your own your own culture and your own um, own subculture, like your ways of doing things, your your own language and um, and and your humour, like. That awkward feeling when you meet people, when you meet a group of a tight group of friends for the first time, and they're all they've all got the inside jokes, and you don't know what the heck's going on. You know what I mean? Um, that's because they've got their their own subculture, and it, and it just comes out of like being together, and that's what it ha- that's what happened with these guys that I thought were cool um, in their twenties. Um, there was a subculture going on, and it was quite cool, and it simply came out of being together. In uh, John John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Thank you, Jesus, for your words this morning. I spoke about this last year, but I just can't get it out of my head. There was one word, abide. Abide, 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 abide. Abide. Got that? Ten times or eleven times. It reverberates through this passage. It echoes. Abide, abide, abide. And one night uh, last year, um, I was, uh, I was uh, awake in bed. I was anxious. I was stressed. Uh, Elena had this horrible cough, and she's just like hacking away, coughing all night. And there were all sorts of other things going on in life that were just like stressing me out, like weighing upon me. Um, I, felt, I felt like a storm. I felt like a storm and I was praying, God, please heal Elena. Fill me with peace. And I just had these words come to mind that I felt was the, I felt was the Lord and, he, and it was just abide in me. I was going, but Lord, heal Elena. And it was just abide in me. And it just went over and over again, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. And, it, and as these phrases just repeated and echoed in my mind and reverberated, um, I I've, I've felt peace. I felt peace and I slept. Psalm 62. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My rock and my salvation. My fortress. I shall never be shaken. Abiding in God, abiding in Jesus, is this place of ultimate security. It's a, it's a firm, it's an unshakable foundation beneath us. It's an impenetrable fortress around us and over us, this covering over us. It's, it's the place of peace. It's the place of salvation. 
Abiding in Jesus has all these kind of words. I talked about them last year. It comes from this Greek word, men, oh men. And it has all these meanings like to remain in him, to remain in him, to journey with him, to be present with him, mindful of him, to be held by him, to be held in his arms, to be, to be covered by him, covered over by him, <laughs> to be clothed by him. So I think being in Jesus, abiding in him, that's like the best possible place. That's the best possible place that we can be. John 15, Jesus says, Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. So do you want to do, do, you want to do something this year? Do you want to do something good? Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to be fruity? <laughs> Do you want to smell like the compost bin under our kitchen sink? It's a bit fruity. Um, Here's the secret. (laughs) Abide in Jesus. You want to do something good? Abide in Jesus. Uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, there there was this stuff going around, um, this this teaching going around called The Secret. The Secret. You remember that? Oprah Winfrey was big on it. And if I'm correct, it was just based on this idea that if you... uh, if you visualize what you really wanted, what you were hoping for and dreaming for, you've sort of visualized it and you somehow somehow projected that out into the universe, um, then you'd get these things. So it would somehow be returned to you, the things that you the things that you are hoped for, your dreams and wishes. Kind of like praying, but but without praying to God, I guess. And and I thought I thought that had kind of disappeared, but then it's popped up recently on, on Facebook with um, with with regard to the fires in Australia, and I saw this post and it said, if we can just get as many people as possible visualizing rain falling on Australia, then it's going to put the fires out. But that's not the secret. <laughs> we want it to be the secret sometimes, but it's not the secret. The true secret is even better. The true secret is abide in Jesus. Allow his words to abide in you. And then, and then he says, and then ask for whatever you wish for and it will be done. Because as we abide in Jesus and his words abide in us, then, then in that abiding, our, will, our wills, what we hope for, our wills get aligned with his wills. And so then it makes total sense that what we wish for, it will be what God wishes for, what will be what Jesus wishes for. And so it's good news. We don't simply, we don't have to sort of imagine Imagine things, visualize things, and somehow send those out into the universe, which is a cold place. If you've seen any science fiction movies, you know that if you um, fall out of a spaceship in space, then uh, it's cold, it's freezing. How cold is it? (laughs) Three Kelvin, which is negative 370. Cold. Don't send your wishes and dreams out to a three Kelvin universe. It's not going to get very far. Send your hopes and dreams to the creator of the universe who loves you, who holds you in his arms. Do you know what I mean? When, 
When groups of people spend a lot of time together, they develop a culture. They become like one another. That's what I was talking about this morning. When you abide in Jesus, you become like Jesus. The culture of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you, you, become, you become like them. When you abide in Jesus, you become like Jesus. Abide, abide has this meaning, uh, old-fashioned word of tarrying. Moses, have you heard of tarrying before? Do you know what tarrying is? Nah. Don't worry, I looked it up. It's got an old-fashioned, it's an old-fashioned word, and it just basically means to stay a bit longer, just to delay leaving. You guys, you vineyard CV people, you vineyard, us people, we know what that's like. <laughs> I come, how many times... Has, uh, have, has, have, have I or somebody else had to go around turning off the lights, turning off the music and start locking the doors before you leave church? <laughs> you outstay your welcome. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. <laughs> I'm hungry. I've been here since early this morning. I want to go home and have my lunch. <laughs> no, I don't mean it. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. But we, but we do. We delay leaving. Hey, we... we we tarry, it's called tarrying. We tarry with each other after church. And, and that's what God, God's calling us into. It's like, oh, tarry in my presence. That's what we did after worship this morning. We tarried a bit longer. We don't have to be in a rush. And man, in our, in our culture, oh, this is like a critical thing. Because in our culture, uh, the, one of the highest priorities is getting things done efficiently. Man, I've got, got to get my projects done on time, within budget. Time is critical. And efficiency is one of our favorite words. But to abide in Jesus means to tarry. I just wonder if efficiency, it's, it's, you can't really use that in, in it when it comes to abiding in God. We get impatient, but we've got to delay leaving a little bit longer. I don't know if it's possible, but maybe outstay your welcome with God. Until he goes, go away. <laughs> Had enough of you. Sink your roots into him. It takes time. Daily rhythms. Abiding means all sorts of things, but having daily, daily rhythms of, of, um, of time focused on Jesus. Uh, reading, reading his word as much as you can. Like It's a big book. It's going to take a while to read through all of that. Especially if you've got a weird one like mine with the Catholic books in there. It takes a wee while. Read, reading the Word, uh, praying, having conversations with Jesus, worshipping, uh, worshipping together. Let's, we gather each week to worship. Worshipping on your own. Um, man, there's so many ways of, of uh, tarrying and abiding in, in Jesus. There's a cool app that I've just downloaded the other day, um, the Bible 2020 app. Have you heard of that one that the Bible Society has put out? Basically this idea that they want to get as many, people, many Christians around the world reading these same passages off the Bible uh, every day. And they're short passages. So that's quite helpful if you, um, you know, you can set a reminder on that. I've set mine to um, sort of around lunchtime and it pops up and goes, time to read your Bible 2020 app. And I've got a streak. I've done it five days in a row. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Started a bit late. Started a bit. Anyway, you can download that Bible Twenty Twenty. It's all sorts of ways. I'm a real big fan of um, hydrangeas. Uh, who knows what hydrangeas are, Moses? Do you know what a hydrangea is? Yeah, good work, man. 
I think it was the first flower that I actually really liked. Um, and it was because they have these um, amazing, um, they make form these amazing spheres, almost like soccer balls. And I was like, that is so cool. And, and they have all sorts of different colors, eh? like blues and purples and, um, and sometimes pinks and, and whites. Yeah, they're, they're cool. Actually, I read this weird thing that um, they're not really flowers. But I could be wrong. Hydrangeas. Hydrangeas uh, are crazy. So you might have heard that uh, hydrangeas, the color of the, uh, the flowers, which are not really flowers, depends on, on the acidity of the soil that they're growing and the pH of the soil. And I think it's the same with God. As we, uh, as we abide in God and we sink our roots into the soil of who God is, then it, then it changes not our color, but it changes our interface with the world. It changes how we see the world, and it changes how we're seen by the world. I'll unpack that a little bit. It changes how we, how we perceive or understand things, events, or people. Like, okay, like, a, like an easy example is abiding in God helps us to love other people. So that's, what, that's one interaction with other people. Um, abiding in God helps us um, to, um, to make sense of, of things that are happening in our own lives and to put them into a context of, of the story that he's drawn us into. World events, everything like that. Abiding in God helps us uh, to come into a place of um, understanding things from his perspective. Uh, abiding in God changes how we feel. Like I told that story of um, when the Lord spoke to me, he goes, abide in me, abide in me, and I, and I began to feel peaceful. We can feel, we can feel peaceful in, in situations where, where we would normally feel, feel fear. It's, uh, not, it doesn't happen straight away. It takes time, tarrying. Peace instead of fear. Joy when times are tough. Hope when it all seems lost. Hope instead of pessimism. Trust instead of cynicism. Which all changes how people see us. It changes the way that people feel when they're around us. And nobody likes hanging out with a grumpy or a bitter or a hateful person. There's no one like this in CB, <laughs> but I have worked with people like that. And you're like, ah, oh, do I have to share an office with you? But when you're around somebody that's, that's peaceful, that's joyful, hopeful, loving, oh, that's so much better. And I'm sure this is one of the reasons why people, lots and lots of people like to be around Jesus. It was like he, he, carried, he carried peace, he carried love, he carried hope, he carried um, so much good stuff. And he healed people, that would have been a perk. Abiding in God changes our interaction and our interface with the world and those around us. We can be like hydrangeas. If you really come down to it, everything that, you really, that we really, really desire is found in God. There was this old song that we used to sing that said, all my fountains are in you. And I think it has, has this idea that the heart of those desires, things that we really deeply, deeply desire, somehow those things are met in the fullness of God, our creator. Often we feel dissatisfied. I do. And, and we, go, we go chasing after things that satisfy us. And often... 
often that can end up being sinful things. And these can lead us to separation from God because we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to chase after something that's actually trying to, trying to meet a deep need and it's not going to be met by um, sort of material things. And we're so easily addicted to things like, we'll chase after things like trying to, trying to meet our needs with um, like pornography and, and drugs and, and spending money and, and possessions and, and security and trying to make sure that we're always healthy and everything like that. And ultimately those things, we're trying to get things that only God can provide for us, deep needs. Is this making any sense at all? <laughs> We're trying, to, we're, trying to meet the, we're trying to meet the need that only God can provide, the eternal God can provide, and we're trying to get them from cheap knockoffs, fake stuff. And we know that they're going to leave us feeling dissatisfied and worse. These things, often they can end up enslaving us and hurting us and hurting those around us. We're all looking for satisfaction, and we're all wired differently. And I think this is, this is really what I want to come to. We're all wired differently, and we have different needs, and we have different ways of reaching out for satisfaction and fulfillment. Different things that we're hungering for deep down. And I was thinking about it. I was going, what if those tendencies are a bit like the roots of the plant extending out in, into the soil? And what if each of those roots... We're looking for satisfaction that could only be met in God in all sorts of different ways, different root systems, you know what I mean? Like this web of, of, of interactions with God. And they're not bad in themselves, these, these, these ways of reaching out for satisfaction. We tend to, sometimes we'll try to, try to meet those needs in bad ways, but, these, but these, these tendencies are not bad. What if we could extend these roots out and then connect with God? with the source of life and joy and peace and goodness and everything else that we actually really, really want deep down? What if we could extend these roots to find him? And does it sound like too much to ask? Does it sound like too much to go, Lord, you're the one that meets all of my hopes and dreams. Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's a bit like Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. My soul thirsts for you, Lord. I try to meet my thirst in all sorts of different ways. And do you feel like that? Like you feel a bit thirsty? Like, yeah, I, like I'm, I'm talking to you this morning about God meeting all your deepest needs. Do you kind of go, well, that sounds all right. Like you're thirsty for it. Are you thirsty for it? Are you hungry for it? Does it feel like you're in a, like you're in a drought? Do you feel dissatisfied in general? Do you feel dissatisfied with life? Do you feel dissatisfied with God? That's okay. That's your thirst. It's your hunger. It's, it's all right. You can feel like that. I feel like that. Do you find yourself trying to satisfy yourself in ways that you know deep down are actually not that healthy, that they're going to hurt you in the long run, or hurt others, that they're, going to be, that they're sinful? Psalm, that same psalm, Psalm 63, 
So that's the one that starts off, my, sur- my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. Later on, verse 5, it goes, my soul is satisfied as with a rich feast. And oh, I've been thinking about that. It can, it can sound bad, it can sound wrong, uh, and it can sound unholy to seek satisfaction. Does, does that make sense? Like, oh, I'm, I want to be satisfied. It can sound right. It does not sound Christian to seek satisfaction. But I think it's, I think it's the way we're meant to be. And here we've got the psalm, and it goes, I'm so, I'm thirsty. I'm so thirsty. My soul is thirsty. Like the deepest parts of me are thirsty. And then later on it goes, my soul is satisfied as with a rich feast. And that sounds good. To be satisfied deep down in my soul, in our souls, in, in, the, in, in the words we describe it, are, it's a rich feast. It's the very best, most expensive meal. I'm not talking about a happy meal. Well, some of you might go, that's the best feast. But <laughs> you know that feeling after you've had McDonald's or KFC or Burger King and you kind of feel, ah, oh, that didn't really. Uh, anyway, but we're not talking about that kind of meal. We're talking about a rich feast. Like, and I was going, what's the, what's the richest feast I've ever had? And probably... I'm thinking about, like, broccoli. No, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the times that other people have shouted me to Logan Brown's, you know? Or these fancy pants restaurants in Wellington, and I've had a rich feast. Like, it's rich, it's expensive, and it's rich because it tastes so darn flipping good. And at the end of dinner, uh, especially when someone else has paid for it, you don't feel guilty and you don't feel shame. You don't feel disgust. You don't feel sick from eating too much like you would if you had 10 Happy Meals. No, you feel satisfied. You feel replete. And it's the same with, same with God. We can, we can eat from, we can be satisfied in Him in a way that we don't feel guilt. We don't feel shame. We don't feel disgusted ourselves. We don't feel sick. And I'm going, is that... It sounds like too much to ask, but I feel like the Lord's going, it's not too much to ask. It's in the book. It's in this big book. My gut feeling is that if we're dissatisfied, then we're actually not eating from the rich feast, which is found in God alone. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. I'm so thirsty, Lord. So I'm going to behold you in your sanctuary. I'm so thirsty. I'm seeking after things. I'm, I find myself like watching too much Disney Plus or YouTube or eating too much McDonald's. What is that, God? What, what is it within me that's like trying to meet, meet satisfaction in ways which I know are not good in the long run? that I can somehow go, what is that? And turn that towards God and go, God, you say that I'll be satisfied. Please satisfy me, Lord, because I'm going to stuff this up. 
So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. The power of God, like the glory of God. That's huge. This is mind-blowing. Because your steadfast love is better than life. What? The love of God is better than life? Your steadfast love is better than life. But we love our life. We hold on to it, but your love is better than life. If you're hungry, thirsty, dissatisfied, if you want to do something good this year with your life, you want to do something meaningful, eternally meaningful, if you want to be like Jesus or set yourselves on a trajectory to be like Jesus, then let this be the year that you abide in him and he abides in you, abide in him. And I, I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you, like think about and pray about what this means for you because we're all wired differently and we're all going to be seeking satisfaction in different ways. There's like, like through the centuries, there's, there's, there's rhythms of things that people have found helpful, ways of abiding in God and seeking after God. I encourage you, take time to earnestly seek after God. Extend your root system so that you can become a different color hydrangea if you want to. And extend your root system in his direction in, in multiple ways. One way is not enough. It's not. <laughs> you get, if you get a tree and it's only got one root going down, that tree's not going to be hanging around in Wellington for long, is it? You know, the reason why, one of the reasons why we've got so many Bahudakawas in Wellington is because they've got these crazy root systems. That means they can stand up in the wind. We've got to have lots of roots going out. In different ways. And do, do this on your own. Like, do this on your own and do it with others. Like, this is one of the reasons why gathering with others is so important. We can extend together our root system into God. And abiding in God. And in this, in this passage it goes, abide in me as I will abide in you. He abides in us by his Holy Spirit. By his Spirit. He, he, he sent his Holy Spirit um, in the book of Acts, he sends his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is active in our world today. He's active in our church today. He's going to be active in, the, in our church this year in 2020. He's going to be active in our city, and he's abiding in us. Oh, here's one other thing. Participation. This is a word that I think the, um, the Lord laid on my heart last night. Participation. Like, like I've always wanted to be a rock star. Okay, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a scientist. I want to be a rock star. I wanted to be up on the stage, playing my instrument, and getting all the glory from all of the people in the, in the audience. Okay, it was a carnal, worldly dream, right? But the Lord, the Lord was speaking to me this last night. He's going, do you, want to be, do, you, do you want to be a participant in that band up on the stage? I'll explain what that means in a second. Or you, you want to be in the crowd just watching what's going on? Being on the stage means being with God, abiding in God, participating in what God's got going on, participating in the Trinity, participating in the things of heaven, getting involved with what's going on. Rise up, worshippers. That's what I was saying before. That's participating in what God's got going on. Being up on the stage means you're sharing in the Lord's glory. That's all right. Sharing in the Lord's glory is all right because it's God's glory. It's not seeking the glory for ourselves. Or we can be over here and going, that looks really cool. I want to be up on the stage. I want to be a rock star with Jesus. No, it's not for my own glory. 
It's for Jesus' glory. He is he's the center. He's the center of everything that we want to be happening here at, at CV. We don't want to be um, satisfied um, by, by coffee or by good music or anything like that. We want to be satisfied with God, what God, God's got going on. <sighs> okay. And I feel like one of the things that the Lord wants to do is actually impart something into us again around this word of abiding in us. And so if that's you, um, then why don't you, why don't you stand and um, we'll invite, invite the Lord to do what only he can do. Lord, we invite your kingdom to come this morning. Let your kingdom of light invade, invade this place, invade our hearts. Lord, we, we know that there's parts of our hearts, parts of our lives which are, which are, not, uh, which are not aligned with yours. Parts of our heart which are, are still in darkness, Lord. And so we invite your light. We invite your presence. So come, Holy Spirit, invade this church, invade our hearts. Equip us for the days to come, Lord, for the, for, uh, for the things that you have us do. And meet those needs that we're crying out for, Lord. Would your spirit come this morning? Falling upon us now. And rising up like that, like that river, that flood. Let it come, Holy Spirit. Let it come, Holy Spirit. Increase what you're doing, Lord Jesus. We hunger and we seek after you, Lord. You've given us, you've given us a dissatisfaction. And it's good. Thank you that we're hungry. Thank you that we're thirsty. Thank you that, uh, that we can seek after you. So let that come, Lord. Would you impart something into our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Abide in me, I hear you say. Abide in me.